So I never thought I would say this, but thanks to everybody for listening to the 99th episode of the Comics First Podcast. We're almost at 100, which is so exciting. Joining me today is Kat Vendetti and Maite. Uh, Maite, I've never pronounced your name out loud, and I'm, I'm afraid I'm not <laughs> Spanish enough. Am I Spanish enough to even say it? I mean, I think so. Uh, you should go, because I, I feel like I'll get the wrong uh, accent. Uh, it's Maite Molina. Oh, that's Muniz. it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's it's actually, pretty easy. That Rolls is, off the tongue. At any rate, today we're going to be talking about uh, Jean Grey and Phoenix Resurrection, sort of to kind of celebrate the the resurrection of Jean Grey into the Marvel Universe, which is kind of exciting. As a reminder to everybody, you can find us on comicsverse.com and check out our videos, podcasts, articles, of course. And, you know, we have a ton of Jean Grey stuff on there for everybody listening. And I know that there's a ton of, like, really huge Jean Grey fans. But, yeah. So, anyway, th- Kat, thank you so much for being here and for doing this. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm always happy to be here. Um, so, I know you weren't, like, a huge Jean Grey fan maybe when you started. So, how do you feel now about doing this? It's it's really funny because most of my exposure to Jean Grey was always the, you know, the regular, the real Jean Grey. But it was always when she was with the Phoenix. And I just thought it was so boring because that was the only Jean Grey I ever saw. So when the younger Jean Grey, the time displaced Jean Grey came along, it was just a completely fresh take on the character that I was really able to appreciate a whole lot more. So I've really, really come to love Jean Grey a lot, like particularly through her younger iteration. So did the younger Jean Grey make you love the older Jean Grey more? I think... I will come to find that out when the real Jean Grey comes back because just whenever I reread old stuff and I see Jean Grey and it's like, oh, here's Jean. Oh, there's the Phoenix. Yawn. So, so, but when, when X-Men Red comes around and um, when we see the complete <coughs> resurrection, I think I'll have a brand new appreciation for the, the OG Jean Grey. Have you ever read X-Men comics while Jean Grey was alive? No, actually, I started reading X-Men comics like in the mid 2000s, but it was just rereading like Uncanny X-Men, like all Claremont era stuff. And when I started um, reading regularly, it was like 2010. So she was long dead. Maite, when did you first get introduced to Jean Grey and what were your kind of first impressions of her? My first exposure to Jean Grey and the Phoenix was Dark Phoenix Saga. It was when I was younger and I hadn't really gotten into X-Men yet. I was like a super huge Batman fan and I'm like, hold on, like, let me like diversify my options. So I picked up Dark Phoenix Saga because, like, I heard it was one of the most iconic stories. So when I first heard it, I'm like, damn, this is a really tragic story, you know? So, you know, coming across the Jean Grey solo series, I thought it was really nice to get a more lighthearted version of the Jean Grey we kind of came to know in previous years when she was alive. So I enjoyed it. At first, like, you know, you get kind of thrown off by the tone because I thought it was really, you know, like I said, like a lighthearted depiction. I ended up really enjoying it in the long run. What do you think is the biggest difference uh, other than tone in the Jean Grey and Dark Phoenix saga and the one we read in the comic? In the Jean Grey comic by Dennis Hopeless that we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, in her solo series, I feel, and I said this a lot in my reviews, you get a much more naive Jean Grey just because, you know, she's not as experienced and obviously she doesn't, she's not as familiarized with the Phoenix as she was in like Dark Phoenix saga, um, other storylines. So her characterization was really different. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it getting a different facet of Gene and even a Gene that had, you know, a lot more humor, which was and that made the series a lot more entertaining, too. Um, you had like these really funny moments that you wouldn't really get um, in previous incarnations. I love the interaction between younger Gene and older Gene. And I thought it was like hysterical. What do you think is the biggest difference in her personality? And this goes for kind of everyone between kind of the older Gene that we read in the Claremont era and the younger Gene. I found them to be so different. And I guess I was curious what you all thought. 
just in terms of who she is as a person, not even an X-Men. Like, I mean, I guess like to get it started, I mean, this Jean Grey is like a lot cooler than the other Jean Grey. She's like a <laughs> lot less... Um, I mean, and I'm partial to the old one, just to be clear, because I know uh, you guys are probably partial to the, the the younger Jean Grey. She's a lot less. I think they described her as uppity in the. Um, they described older Jean Grey as uppity in the Grant Morrison run and of New X Men, and here they kind of, you know, she's she's much more like I don't know. She just seems like some, such a product of today versus a product of the '60s, like the original Jean Grey did. Yeah, I think so. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that she is a teenager and she hasn't, of course, gone through all the experiences that the older Jean Grey has. Um, but one of the things that I really love about um, the time displaced Jean Grey is that her the, the most formative years of her developing her powers is without Charles Xavier. And I don't know if it's um, like explicitly said or just implied, but he definitely had some control over her powers. He like... Um, inhibited them because she was so powerful. So now this is a gene who's growing up without that influence over her powers. And it's a gene who's being trained by like Kitty Pride and like Emma Frost. So it's just a totally different take on her powers. And she's seen her future. She's seen what happens to, you know, the real Jean Grey and being corrupted by the Phoenix and all these horrible things that happen to mutants. So it's kind of like, I think her personality is a mix of like being a kid knowing pretty much knowing what's going to happen to her in life and just kind of battling with being more in control of her destiny and definitely more in control of her powers. I would also add that Magneto and Polaris were two of her teachers too, which I think really uh, affected who she is. And also I think it was, I think they refer to it as the mental blocks that Xavier put in way back when, when, when she was younger. So her telepathy didn't get as powerful as it could after, you know, the Phoenix accident that happened when they were coming down. Was it from the moon or something? And she landed in Jamaica Bay. Maite, what do you think about that, about how she changed? I thought Kat had a really good point about how the time displaced Jean Grey. Like, the solo series really tries to make her character distinct from what we knew of her in the past. Um, I mean, the first issue alone, there's, I think, multiple instances where she's like, you know, that wasn't me you know, all the damage the Phoenix caused, that's not who I was. And like, even though that is, you know, her eventual future, I think the series did a good job of really developing this character that made an effort to change her future in a way. I thought that was really cool. Like distinct from her experience with Professor X and her past with Cyclops, I really liked this new development of a character that we thought we knew really well, but, you know, it was an innovative take on that. Is there something that we learned in this series, seeing Jean Grey as a time-displaced teenager, that kind of informed us about who she is in, in really both her incarnations? Or did you feel that this was kind of like a different take and it took the character in a totally different direction, which I think is a totally valid answer, too. I guess uh, for me, I, I mean, I, I learned how malleable Jean is and that, you know, these things that happened to her when she was younger really made her into who she is, her circumstances really influenced her more than I thought. Um, they influenced her to the core when she was younger more than I thought. And, and that was something that I learned. I've learned that Jean Grey is a total badass and she is way more powerful than anybody gave her credit for. Um, I feel like we see a lot in, of the time displaced Jean Grey of like the older, even, even among her peers, I think, but like a lot of the older X-Men just kind of not giving her credit for what she's capable of. And I think uh, she takes that to heart. And I don't know if that's because she knows what lies ahead in her future. Maybe it's just my own bias of seeing, um, you know, the one token female character amongst the sea of male characters in the 60s. Um, but she's like the most powerful among her peers. And I don't think, uh, 
I think she feels that she doesn't get recognized enough for that. Yeah, I agree with that. I also think the solo series kind of addressed a lot of her, a lot of conflicts that maybe weren't alluded to in earlier incarnations, especially, um, I mean, I think again in the first issue, she is kind of going off on a rant about how she's the only girl um, on a team full of men and she doesn't really know what her role is. I mean, she knows that she's powerful. She knows like she has all these developing abilities that she doesn't really know how to balance and that kind of makes her feel like an outsider because she almost feels like her teammates don't really understand with that, you know, I think, what was it? The trial of Jean Grey, the Guardians of the Galaxy crossover where she's on trial for events that have yet to happen, you know? So it's like all these, I think the time displaced Jean Grey, her story alluded to questions and conflicts we may not have totally understood um, in previous years. And I like that a lot because then it kind of creates a lot of parallels between the past and the future, Jean Grey's. How can the original X-Men relate to her? The other time displaced X-Men relate to her when she is the only female, when they are sort of from this other era, and when she is so powerful, and when she does have this huge future, she is the only one of them who knows her, you know, the, the future of the other Jean Grey. Are they even able to connect with her on the same level that they're able to connect with each other? In a sense, you know, is she really an outsider because of who she is, both being a woman on the team and also being so powerful on, the, on those two levels? Aside from the fact that they all have being time displaced X-Men in common. I think they really care about her a lot. I think that's one one of the big differences I think I see from, um, you know, Claremont era X-Men and older stories uh, with the original Jean Grey is that she was, she was sometimes, I think, played as a damsel and sometimes seen as a love interest. But here she's really seen as an equal. And I can tell that the X-Men really, really care about her. But I don't think they can relate to her on her power level, especially because of all those times where you see... Um, her telepathy going out of control and her not being able to control that stuff. And they do get visibly upset with her. Um, but I think they try. And what I really like about this group of the younger X-Men is that they just seem like they're all best friends and they really care about each other. So I think they try to understand her, but I don't, and I think she feels that they never will be able to. Yeah, I agree. I think they do try to relate to her and try to understand her, but they don't necessarily go about it the right way. So again, like obviously all her teammates have good intentions, but it's a definitely a hard situation where you can't really, I feel like it's hard for them to ultimately identify with her. You know, she has these, this feature that no one can really amount to and these powers that no one else will ever comprehend. So like Kat said, like her teammates definitely care about her, but I don't know if there's really a solution to relating to her due to her capacity. What about how she relates to herself? I mean, that's got to really affect somebody knowing the future of their alternate self, right, in the same timeline. How do you think that affects her? I, I mean, as I think about it, I get really sad because it is it is really terrifying when you think about it. And it really is a great impetus to start the, the Jean Grey series because I would want to know all that stuff, too. I would want to talk to everyone who dealt with this Phoenix thing. I would want to talk to everyone who lived through it. I would want to talk to everyone who was connected to it or who knew anything about it. And I kind of love that she, you know, went out on her own and did it. And we also really got to see how it affected her. But I guess I, you know, wanted to hear from you both what you thought about how it did and how it might have, you know, maybe off the page, maybe the stuff that alluded to how she felt, kind of what you were both talking about before. Yeah, I think that's the most tragic aspect of the solo series is how Jean struggles to truly relate to herself and I think she's trying to you know differentiate herself from 
her past incarnations but then i think by jean gray number nine or ten she's kind of like you know the phoenix and i are tied like our destinies are intertwined and we can't really do anything about it so i think it's so epic when she kind of goes forth and takes on the phoenix by herself um i think that's a moment where she kind of accepted her fate and her identity and i thought that was an awesome moment um again it's tragic obviously but at the same time it was super super heroic and badass yeah, I was going to say it must be terrifying to know what your destiny is and what your future holds for you. And then it raises that question of, you know, can you change your destiny and is that even real? Um, so it must be scary knowing she knows the entire time what's going to happen to her. I mean, she's very different from her future self. And you can see that it's evident when, you know, the ghost of Jean Grey comes and they're constantly bickering. But yeah, I think the younger Jean Grey, she is in a constant battle with herself and with her future, but she never runs away from it and she never hides from it. She kind of takes it head on. And I think that's really cool. It is really cool. And if you think about it, she's in a much tougher position because by just being time displaced already, the other four X-Men are completely different and will have completely different lives. Yet her life is still predetermined in so many ways when even after jumping time and coming into, you know, I, I guess where we are now, but can I even say earth 616 anymore? I don't, I don't think we can anymore. I, I think it's like earth 2197454 or something times pi. I don't know, but um, whatever it is, uh, you know, we're calling it now. So <laughs> is there anything that you guys felt made it difficult to connect with her within the diegesis of the story? For me, I'm still kind of, every time I'm like, man, I, I really want to love her, but I still have that moment when she outed Bobby Drake as Iceman that kind of freaks me out. So was there anything for you like that that was like, man, this is kind of in the way of me totally falling in love with this character? I think in the beginning when, um, like we had mentioned a couple times earlier that there's a lot of instances of her learning how to use the this newfound power level that she has. and um, and I think that plays into when she outed Bobby because she wasn't she didn't mean to listen into his thoughts. She just does it. And I think that's one thing that was a little bit frustrating is when she's constantly invading people's minds. Um, but I really love her in the Jean Grey solo run. Yeah, I definitely loved her in the solo series, but I was rereading some of the all new X-Men issues um, a few days ago. And I came across, I think it was uh, all new X-Men number nine when she manipulates Angel's emotions to change his mind and make him stay in the timeline. You're kind of like, oh no, like that was very problematic. But uh, again, I think she kind of grew from that in the Jean Grey solo series. So I ended up really loving her character, but uh, definitely rereading some of those first issues where the time this place Jean makes an appearance are definitely kind of, you definitely have to stick with it and grow with her character in order to really get an understanding and adoration for her i do feel that in there exists a piece of connective tissue for the younger jean gray and the older jean gray because the older jean gray never did out uh anyone for their sexuality but she did out storm in that issue i don't know if you guys read that uh classic x-men issue when um storm was wanted to leave the apartment nude because she you know never had to wear clothes before and um a pickpocket took Jean's purse and ran into the subway and Aurora got scared. So Jean comes out like screaming at her and being like, what the hell, you know, you left me alone out there and you know, I didn't use my powers correctly. And I accidentally, um, you know, linked minds with everyone on the subway versus the person who stole my thing. I could have used you. And then she goes into Aurora's mind by accident. She's like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like your parents died in the Suez canal crisis. And then, a storm like flips out and like starts a freaking storm and everything. And she's like, you had no right to pry into my mind. And Jean Grey is like, 
I know it's really hard for me too because I'm always getting inside everyone's and I'm like Gene stop doing this and again it, it happened in this one issue that we read for Marius's ethics and comics podcast uh, where Gene connected with a dying dog and then made the whole thing about her and uh, you know it was just one of it was one of my favorite Gene Gray moments but people get really mad when people say people get really mad when you kind of insist that Gene Gray can be a little bit self-involved but I think that's what makes her likable I think it's that that makes her that quality makes her more approachable and relatable personally uh, because it, you know, it's like, Oh wow, this is me sometimes, or this is like this friend that I have or something. And that's what I kind of like about her. But you know, there are definitely some problematic moments in Jean's past of both adult and young Jean. And that's what I loved about the series. Cause it really kind of went into that a little bit. It went into the whole thing with Emma when she went into her mind and showed her the dead students and Grant Morrison's run. And it kind of dealt with that. You know, we were talking about all these awesome issues, uh, single issues where she was dealing with Scarlet Witch and Doctor Strange and Psylocke was teaching her. What were some of your favorite team-ups that she had in the Jean Grey series? And what do you think her character gained from some of these team-ups? Probably my favorite team-up was with Scarlet Witch. That was mine and... too. It was so funny. <laughs> I loved it. I love how Scarlet Witch was like, when you're the baddest witch in every room, you have to take care of yourself. And I think that really taught Jean Grey how to chill out. She had like a total mental health day. She learned how to relax. And I think she needed that. I really liked uh, her team up with Thor. I know the previous issue, she had teamed up with Namor and he was told her she was a natural born warrior. And I thought that was really awesome. And then like for her to like hang out with Thor and the whole setting was kind of funny. I just thought it was a really humorous issue. You know, they were literally like sitting in a bar and fighting off all these orcs, I think. And yeah, and like Thor's like getting drunk. It was just a totally like very unique issue and I really enjoyed it. It was very lighthearted considering the gravity of you know what was going to come in future issues and um i think it kind of also showed off gene's badassery which i always love to see so personally that was one of my favorite um issues in that series i love how she learned something different from everybody and i really um i love those ones you mentioned too so much i love when she teamed up with psylocke and learned how to use her psychic weapons she picked up fast on that that was so cool yeah i also really loved the doctor strange one too yeah, that was like the beginning was really funny when she's like, yeah, like something weird's happening, but I'm just going to go with it and, you know, see what happens. Aside from Jean Grey, so many other characters that we saw in these kind of team ups were so different than we normally see them in their solo comics. Who do you think really kind of had their moment to shine? I definitely would say Scarlet Witch. I thought that was hysterical. And the way old Jean Grey was uh, as a ghost was reacting to her. I like in her uh, team up with Namor that he was incapacitated pretty much the whole time. <laughs> I like how Scarlet Witch had her moment to shine. I also, yeah, I also like the uh, Namor's presence or lack thereof. <laughs> uh, I haven't read a lot of Namor, so that was, I guess, cool to see. I also kind of like Doctor Strange's presence, though, where he was kind of guiding her through her own history. You know, it was kind of creepy, but it was kind of cool at the same time. And um, then, you know, at the end of the issue, you finally see like the ghost version of Jean Grey. So that was pretty, that was pretty cool. I thought that was cool. What did you think about them bringing the older Jean Grey back in this way as a ghost? At first, that's not what I was expecting. Cause you know, she has this voice in her head and you're like, I don't know. I don't even know what I was expecting it to be. It was definitely not the older version of Jean Grey. Um, so at first when I saw it, when that reveal happened, I was kind of like, Oh, like really? But then um, I really enjoyed her interaction with Emma Frost and um, I think it was Jean Grey number 10, nine or 10. Um, you know, they had this moment where they were talking about their own experiences with the Phoenix and you see Emma Frost is kind of thinking of it 
you know, in a much more idealistic way than the older version of Jean Grey. So at that point, I definitely kind of enjoyed her presence more um, than I initially did. I definitely wasn't expecting it at all, but I really love it because throughout that series, she's meeting up with all these different people who have had experience with the Phoenix. And what better person to help her than the ghost of Jean Grey? And I love their dynamic together and how the two of them together, it also raises more questions about, you know, the the ethical dilemmas of Jean Grey's powers because they kind of break into Emma's apartment, knock her out, invade her mind. And Emma's like, what the f***? Not cool, Jean. I love their interactions too. I, I love that there was this rivalry between them, but in the end, they still had this mutual respect for each other, which I thought was pretty amazing considering one slept with the other one's husband. The more and more I, you know, hear about Jean Grey, the worse I feel for Emma. I feel so bad for Emma Frost. It's so weird. When I first used to read the Grant Morrison run, I would feel really bad for Jean. And I'd be like, yo, you slept with someone's man. Like, we, you know, you have to deal with whatever the consequences are. But then there's that one panel. I read it like a few more times with like Rachel and stuff and, and uh, Chowder. And, you know, that one panel where she shows the dead student, Emma's dead students, the Hellions from when Trevor Fitzroy killed them all was so traumatic and so harsh it just makes you feel for emma so much right yeah like there's there's no question that the things that emma did were horrible but you know the aftermath i just i feel so bad for her too but what jean did was horrible as well yeah exactly i guess it's a wash (laughs) you slept with my husband i will go in your mind and make you depressed for a few days (laughs) it kind of seems fair (laughs) yeah get what's coming yeah i don't know now 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 i feel bad for saying that because i do feel bad i don't know i'm so torn that's why that series is so good and that's why this series is so good for continuing that do you think it built on the relationship between gene and emma much because i i definitely thought it did yes and what i love so much is a dynamic between emma and the time displaced gene gray because obviously they have so much history between each other emma and the original gene gray but here she is taking care of the young gene gray and helping her sort through all her problems with the phoenix and you know when gene like the young gene almost dies at the end of her solo run emma's the first one there to take care of her i love how emma takes up a new role that we haven't really seen her take before um you know this role as a mentor to someone who she's had you know, tumultuous relationship with in the past. But again, because of that, you kind of gain a newfound respect for Emma Frost that you never really thought you developed before. So I really loved her relationship with the young Jean Grey. So in, in terms of young Jean Grey and older Jean Grey, what do you think worked about the ghost concept and what do you think didn't work about it? Well, like Kat said, I mean, who else, you know, would, or, you know, who else would be fit for the job of helping the time displaced Jean Grey cope with, or, you know, prepare for the Phoenix Force and, you know, the older Jean Grey herself. So in that aspect, I think it was really good for the story. And, you know, also you have all these great moments between the older Jean Grey and the young Jean Grey and the older Jean Grey and Emma Frost. So, I mean, narrative wise, I thought that was great. You know, but again, like when I first got that reveal, I was kind of disappointed and thought, you know, like, how is that going to work into it? But again, as the story went on, I found more positives and negatives about it. Um, Can't really think about what I didn't like about it right now. I like that they were constantly bickering because, you know, it's I don't know. I don't know if it's supposed to be a metaphor for like this is Jean Grey's inner battle with herself or maybe I'm just being ridiculous. Um, but I, I like that, you know, these two sides of her personality were just like in conflict with each other. Um, I'm really curious to see how it's going to tie into Phoenix Resurrection, to be honest. And it, I think it's curious the way the first issue of Phoenix Resurrection ended. I was really I mean, I have so many questions about it, and I'm really expecting to see just the way Jean Grey's solo series ended. 
there's so many things up in the air right now. I just wonder how they're all going to come into play with each other. Yeah, I have a lot of questions about Phoenix Resurrection, and I really hope that they get answered in future issues, and hopefully they tie into the Solo series, because I don't want the events of the Solo series to just be kind of brushed under the rug now that, you know, a new series has begun. But uh, yeah, I have a lot of questions. What are the biggest questions you both have? Oh, gosh. Um well, for, you know, we've all read the um, first issue of Phoenix Resurrection. I just want to know what the hell is going on in that ending? Is this, you know, another pocket of the universe or does this have anything to do with the conclusion of the last issue of Jean Grey's solo run? Um, my big question is what the hell happened to young Jean Grey and is her ghost still around? You know, I feel like these all these pieces are going to come together in some like crazy way that I'm going to love. Yeah, I mean, the last we saw Young Jean Grey, she was burned alive. So I'm very curious to see if, again, if she'll come back in a ghost version. But also, yeah, like, what the hell was that ending where you have, like, Jean working at a diner and Scott showing up at her door with flowers? I was just like, oh, okay, is this this how the (laughs) issue ends? Um, Okay, I'll move on. I definitely... And I'm sure you guys picked up on this, too, but I really picked up on the fact that Annie Richards was still alive, the girl who died that caused Jean's powers to manifest when she was six. I totally didn't get that at first. And then, Mike, I read your review and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I I was reading it. I had like reread that page a few times. Like, (laughs) wait, wait, that's Annie, right? And then, like, Justin, you like mentioned that in the chat one day. I'm like, okay, good. Like, I will. I didn't just make that up like she's alive right I was like who the fuck is Annie and then I read your review of the issue and I was like now I get it I like the beginning of the issue I thought it was really creepy and I kind of liked it like where this like young girl shows up and like has like we were better off dead yeah I'm like oh god so creepy and um you know in some of the news that's come out about um Phoenix Resurrection I've read some press releases and things like that um you know promo videos that Matt Rosenberg, the writer, said it's going to be sort of a horror story and super creepy. And I'm totally about that. I'm really intrigued by it. Me too. I think it's something different, which is really great. And and it follows in the direction that the New Mutants film is going to go in. Yes. And I think that's a really exciting place for superhero comics to go. It is. It's, it makes it different. Um, it breaks from the formula. And I... This is totally irrelevant, but I have a friend who's really into soap operas and she'll tell me about all her soap operas and I'll tell her about all my comics. And she's like, Kat, you would love soap operas. And I'm like, probably. I don't, that's a bigger leap. As someone who used I to watch them. Yeah, as, I wish I <laughs> like, could agree with so that. much drama. I'm telling her about like, guess who came back to uh, guess who came back from the dead? And she's like, this is so dramatic. You would love days of our lives. I don't know. The whole telepathic affair between Emma and Cyclops is pretty soapy in my yeah, opinion. Right? So it's-, it's very soap. I think the biggest difference, though, is that on a soap, like the characters coming and going depends on like when the actor gets like a movie gig or something. So like they then like they kill them off and then like suddenly like bring them back. Like I've seen characters on soap operas who have been like um, had their heads chopped off and shit been brought back to life. And it's a little crazy. Um, but then we've seen that in comics, too. But I don't know. It has more of a super- supernatural element that I think lends itself to resurrections a little bit easier. But that's just me. No insult to Days of Our Lives. Um, I just want to say that I have friends who have acted on soap operas, and they say it was the hardest thing they ever did. And a lot of the actors that we all um, know really well now who are super famous started there. So no insult to soap operas, um, just the, about the resurrection trope that they have. Before we get into talking about Phoenix Resurrection, we should talk about how young Jean Grey died, spoiler alert, at the end of the series. Or did she? Ooh. Probably. I don't know. I think she's... I mean, I'm, I, that, uh, that's definitely a death, I would say. 
And uh, yeah, I, I think so. Um, and I think it raises a question of the fate of the time displaced original five X-Men. Is there going to be room for them now that the real Jean Grey is coming back? I hope not. Yeah, I, 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 hope so. <laughs> I really enjoy them. <laughs> uh, I enjoy young Iceman. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. There sure are five X-Men around. There are. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm Look, I think it's just because I'm older, but I, I just much prefer the older X-Men. I think it would be more interesting to explore them at this point because, you know, I just we just had five years uh, or four years with these younger people. It was fun. Um, they overstayed their welcome. And uh, I have to say, I'm going to be in a minority, but I was so the way that they killed young Jean Grey was so cathartic for an older Jean Grey fan that it made me like Jean, young Jean Grey. Um, and the only reason why I didn't like her was the exact same reason the Phoenix didn't. For the first time, what I thought was completely aligned with what the Phoenix thought in the history of X-Men comics. I was like, shit, that's not the real Jean Grey. And the Phoenix was like, that's not the real Jean Grey. And we were both on the same page. And uh, I think that that makes me into a horrible person if I'm on the same side as the Phoenix. But I don't know. I think I'm okay with that. But what did you guys think about her death and... I mean, I thought it was really triumphant, and I thought it was really beautifully done. And I loved, because I did think it was a little bit flippant, the way that Jean Grey kind of started in as a ghost. But whoa, that ending, it really made it, it really tied everything in together, and it made it all work for me. So I wanted to get your kind of thoughts on how she died and what you thought about it. Yeah, I thought it was really, really bold. I personally wasn't expecting that, um, that ending, particularly when the series kind of had more of a light tone. I think the final issues definitely kind of got more serious and darker. But yeah, her death scene, I thought it was, I mean, A, beautifully illustrated, um, and B, uh, very, it was a very heroic moment for Jean, um, you know, despite the fact that it ended her demise. So I thought it, like you said, it kind of tied up the series in a way that we may not have expected it to. Um, with that, I am curious to see how it will segue into Phoenix Resurrection, especially after the first issue that's raised a lot of eyebrows so um yeah we'll see we'll see what happens we'll see i think she's definitely dead though i mean like i think she's a skeleton like i, <laughs> I think she's done, so. i agree with most of that um i think it was a fitting conclusion more or less um whether there's you know to see what comes of it um but i think it was a, a fitting end to what we've seen so far of her series because you know her whole goal was to confront the phoenix which she did and i think it was necessary in order to segue into Phoenix Resurrection. You know, how are you going to have all these different iterations of Jean Grey running around? And I think all the elements really are going to be what brings the real Jean Grey back. Um, I'm less convinced that she's definitely dead just because comics um, and the nature of the Phoenix, you know, I don't know. I think like my guess is that, I don't know, the young Jean Grey had to die so that, you know, the real Jean Grey could be birthed. I don't, I don't no, I'm making this up as I go. No, that's, um, I, I think that sounds that's good. a very big possibility. Like you never know. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think that's the way her series had to go. It would have been lame if it was like, oh, Jean Grey survived the Phoenix and she's 16. No, it, it made sense to me. I liked it. What emotions did the ending conjure up for both of you? For me, I felt super sad when I read it, and I think I read it three or four times, and I, I just thought it was so incredibly heartbreaking that this woman died in the way she was most terrified to die and i just thought that was utterly heartbreaking and really quite beautiful and poetic um the words at the end in the boxes were written so well and uh i don't know i'm, I'm getting i'm getting a little bit of chills thinking about it because it was just like my Tay said it was so bold it was so unexpected and i mean i, I want to say that the poetry of it is beautiful and that it's sad but 
it kind of is in just a, a, a piece of artwork. You know what I'm saying? I think Jean Grey is so brave. And, you know, you, you can you, you, be, you can be scared and be brave at the same time. And I know she was terrified, but she never ran away. She was always running straight towards the Phoenix. And she essentially sacrificed herself. And it's and that's what she's been the most afraid of the whole time she came to this timeline is that she knew how it was going to end. And she kind of embraced it, I think. Yeah, I just pulled up um, my review and I had put in a panel when she says, I'm not the girl I was when this thing started. And I mean, yeah, like it really hits you in the feels, doesn't it? And um, and like I also mentioned how she definitely expresses her fear but at the same time, she doesn't let that stop her. But at the same time, like, that makes her more human. Like, obviously, you'd be afraid to take that on. Like, you know, it's this force that you've heard about, you know, since you've been in this timeline. And it's scary. But at the same time, it just it makes it even more tragic, but it also makes you respect her even more. I mean, she's a young 16-year-old girl dealing with this ginormous feat. So um, I, I, it was, I love the way that... Um, you know, she met her end. I thought it was very well done, very respectfully done. What is the life lesson out of the Jean Grey comic? To me, it was, you can't avoid this, whatever it is. Go into it being as brave as possible and give it the biggest fight you can. And do it gracefully. I love that. That's, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I have, like, a, a personal, like, indecision on whether you know, your fate or your destiny is like a real thing. So part of me wants to say, you know, this is the way it's going to end. And I, I completely 100% agree with, with your um, conclusion, Justin, that, you know, if this, if this is the way it's going to end, you can go in brave and gracefully. But I think, I don't, I don't know. It's interesting because I think initially she fights so hard against that destiny and she wants to kind of chisel out her own path in life. And she says, you know, I'm not that Jean Grey, I'm this Jean Grey. And that doesn't have to be my end. Uh, but it still kind of is. And so I'm, I'm a little bit conflicted. I'm a little bit torn about what I want the lesson to be. It's so sad too, right? It is. I mean, I also think there's a commentary on fear. And oftentimes we find heroes being like, I'm fearless. Like I go into this 100% brave. But like, you know, this time we have a very, um, a young girl who is afraid. And at the same time, that doesn't make her any less heroic or um, capable of overcoming this feat you know so i think it was also a commentary on you know it's okay to be afraid sometimes like sometimes you need to be afraid because if you're not then that means you're not either you know challenging yourself enough or you're not really accepting the reality of the situation so i thought that was also a very good inclusion in the story absolutely i think the commentary on fear for me it very loosely kind of established a historical parallel for me personally in that i was thinking of anne boleyn when she was going to be executed she knew she was going to be executed, right? She was like in that tower that Henry VIII put her in. She knew she was innocent of all these charges. Yet when she went up to get her, oh, I don't know, was there a kind word for getting dismembered? I don't know. But when she went up to, to accept her fate, she did it with like such grace. She made the person, the executioner laugh. And he felt so bad for having to do it that he told her to go look at something else so that she wouldn't know when the ax was going to hit. Um, so that she wouldn't expect it, so that she wouldn't feel any pain, is what he was trying to do. I don't know if that physically happened. I mean, who knows? But um, I, it, it made me think of that, because it was like, okay, at this point, and I totally agree with what you're saying, Kat, and I think that that, for me, is part of the heartbreak, because you don't really want this for her when it happens, right? You want her to, to not, you want her life not to be predetermined. 
But when it comes down to the point that it absolutely is in like those last few issues, the grace in which she just deals with that is amazing. And man, I just have this image of that fight she has with the Phoenix and she takes it down and she's still standing after. And uh, she starts making the weapons, uh, the telekinetic weapons that Psylocke taught her. And she's just like beaten, but she's still going to fight and give it all she has. And it was just, it was really beautiful, I thought. It was beautiful. And I think um, she accepted that this was the way it was going to end for her. And she fought every minute the whole way. And she never ran away. She, she did everything she could to be ready for that end. That was a beautiful you know, part of the series is how you really truly saw her prepare every step of the way for that very moment. So it was a like very, very satisfying to see that happen. Um, and again, also admirable. I think in a way she really took control of it, um, regardless of the conclusion. Um, she was trying to avoid that fate, um, but I ultimately she knew it was going to be her fate. And I think she kind of put herself more in control of it. She kind of took the power away from the Phoenix and gave it to herself. And I, I think she knew that was the way it was going to end for her. But um, I feel like the cards were in her hand. What aspects of the story do you hope inform Phoenix Resurrection? And what do you really hope to see and get out of Phoenix Resurrection as a reader? I hope all of the young, time-displaced Jean Grey's actions don't go unrecognized. Um, I would hate for her to be forgotten so quickly. She accomplished a lot. She was a leader. She was so powerful at such a young age. She fought the Phoenix every step of the way. And I just hope that people remember all of her efforts. Yeah, that's my main concern is that the story will kind of move on very quickly from the solo series. So I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, at the same time, I hope that I just hope that the series doesn't rush anything. You know, just I'm especially after this first issue, I have a lot of questions and I just hope they don't really try to cram all these answers in too fast. Um, again, I hope they, you know, maintain some aspects of the previous solo series. And I mean, again, like we can only see what happens. But like Kat said, I hope they don't totally forget everything that's happened after that, you know, tennis shoe run where we really got to see young Jean Grey grow into her own. Um, I hope that's not forgotten either. So I never watched Sopranos, but I know that there's an episode of it where it goes into... Tony Soprano's life and his family life if he never went into the the mafia and uh, there was this great episode of the show Nip Tuck a Ryan Murphy show and Ryan Murphy is like super popular now with American Horror Story and American Crime Story and all that and Scream Queens and all that stuff there's an episode of Nip Tuck in which the character Julia who is the wife of one of the main plastic surgeons on the show it sort of goes into what would have happened if she married the other man who she was in love with and I think Phoenix Resurrection is sort of what Jean would have wanted for her life. In a way, it's right. It's it's the simplicity that Jean Grey always wanted. It's her friend Annie is alive, so she never had the experience of dying herself, right? Which is what traumatized her and what put her in quote unquote an insane asylum as a kid. And for me, I thought, man, is this the life that Jean Grey always wanted, just to have a really simple one working in a diner, having a boyfriend, her friend Annie with her, who she grew up with? Did you guys think about that, or were you like, no? No, that, that never occurred to me, but that's so interesting <laughs> to think about, um, you know, which, which life is better, the life where she was heroic and she saved the world and, you know, died multiple times of the world where she works in a diner and doesn't do anything special like which which life would she have preferred well i would argue that maybe what you and i consider special i mean this gene could do too right i mean it just wouldn't be as heroic and on the scale of 
being a superhero. It doesn't mean she can't be a good person. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I think about this a lot. I think about, you know, what if I could go back in time and change things? Would life be any better or any worse? Or would I, would it be the same? Would I would just be happy in different ways? And I think that's kind of a, the same deal that uh, Phoenix Resurrection kind of approached at the end of the first issue. Yeah, I honestly didn't even think about that till you literally just mentioned it. And so that kind of brings up a curious thought. Um, but I, I definitely think, yeah, Re- Resurrection will explore that. But at the same time, I think the solo series explored that already in a different way, perhaps. Um, I think, you know, the young Jean Grey wanted to create, like, redesign her own feature and make it simple. But again, she couldn't escape that. So I think Resurrection might parallel that. Um, yeah. You know, and sorry, you can go ahead. No, I was going to say that's such an excellent point that, um, you know, the end of Phoenix Resurrection was um, Jean Grey if her life ended up differently. Well, the time to space Jean Grey is the same exact thing. Um, it's Jean Grey with kind of a new lease on life before the Phoenix, you know, with all these different elements in her life. But ultimately, it ended the same exact way with the Phoenix. So is this version of Jean Grey at the end of Phoenix Resurrection number one? gonna ultimately lead up to the phoenix as well like is that just an inevitability in jean gray's life no matter what path she takes i mean i think so so that's that's what i'm calling it now we'll see what happens (laughs) cool i like it no i think so too i I, i'm really excited to see what this is what what the series explores and you know we heard from some people who work at marvel that it's going to be really awesome and that x-men red is really awesome so i'm like super excited um and i know in x-men red we see jean using her like purple pink telepathy powers, which are not connected to the Phoenix. So I'm kind of excited to see where that goes. I'm excited to see a Jean Grey that is separated from the Phoenix in some level. Um, And I mentioned this earlier that most of my exposure to the original Jean Grey was through the Phoenix. And of course we're getting that because, you know, of the way the solo run ended and, you know, Phoenix resurrection obviously has ties to the Phoenix. But like you said, Justin, um, there's imagery of Jean not using her Phoenix controlled powers and i'm really interested in exploring that side of gene that is separate from the phoenix just because personally i haven't experienced that enough all of the past stories i've read with gene did concern the phoenix so i'm hoping that um with you know gene gray and in the in um, her future appearances are less about the phoenix and more about you know who else gene gray is yeah, I agree with that. I mean, like I said earlier, my first exposure to Jean Grey was Dark Phoenix Saga. So a lot of the things I've read about Jean have been tied heavily with Phoenix. And, you know, even the solo run was heavily tied with the Phoenix Force. So it'll be refreshing to see a new incarnation of Jean Grey that we haven't been familiarized to in recent years. I will say, I love that New Mutants kind of made a comeback in recent years because of the movie and people are going back and looking at it and rereading it because it was so good. But a series that does not get a lot of credit is the original X-Factor series, which is when Jean Grey had one of her first resurrections, her main, what I consider to be her main resurrection up until now. And the series followed her Cyclops, uh, Iceman, Angel, and Beast. And it's when Angel became Archangel. It's when they first showed who Apocalypse was. They had Frenzy in there, uh, the Freedom Force with Mystique leading it. And it's a comic series that I hope gets more attention because eventually, you know, we saw Polaris and Havoc take over the team once the X-Men absorbed the original five members again. But we really got to see Jean without the Phoenix the entire series. And it was really cool to see who she was and what she was like without that. And I hope that people 
start going back and looking at that series similarly to how people are going back and looking at New Mutants because it, it is pretty cool. And I just wanted to give that like a shout out. Alrighty. Um, so yeah, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Yeah. Cool. All right. Cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So remember, you can find more podcasts like this, interviews, articles, especially Maite's article on Phoenix Resurrection number one, the review, which is doing so kick ass. Uh, so definitely go check that out on comicsverse.com. And thanks, Kat and Maite, so much for talking about Jean Grey. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. Thank you for having us. It was fun. Thank you. Yay. And now episode episode 99 is over. I don't know what we're going to do for episode 100, man. Wow. Yeah, we're going to do something huge. Right? Or Jean Grey? Question mark? <laughs> I mean, that's always the answer to that question is always yes. <laughs> you can never have enough Jean Grey. Again, thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you soon.